Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. I want you guys to give a giant round of applause to all the moms in the house. Come on. We honor you guys. We love you. We appreciate you. Come on, church. Keep it going for the moms and the grandmoms. Happy Mother's Day. I like how it's been said, expectant mothers, spiritual mothers, biological mothers, foster mothers, adoptive mothers, single mothers, stepmothers, grieving mothers, and grandmothers, you are all changing the world. And we are so appreciative for you. We do have a special gift out there, like Heather mentioned, and uh, there's a photo booth that you guys can check out on your way out to the left of the doors. I do also want to acknowledge Mother's Day, for some people, is in a day of increased pain as well, and we just want you to know um, our team, we, we have been praying for you. We're praying for you this morning to experience the peace and the comfort of the Lord today. Before I introduce a very special guest speaker, I do want to give an update about our recent annual business meeting and celebrate the unanimous re-elections of two of our board members, Lauren Robinson and Jim Bozeman. Let's give them a hand. They're so thankful. We have a tremendous board that serves as our watchful eye in our church. They are faithful and godly and wise men and women after God's heart. So today we have a very special guest speaker that some of you may know, some may not. Her name is Helen Smallbone. She's here with her husband, David. David, wave at us. And one of the children, right? It's good to have you here. They have raised seven kids that love Jesus. And I said 13 grandkids in the first service. I found out it's now 14 and a 15th on the way. So we are celebrating and congratulating you guys for that. Um, boy, they, they have followed Jesus very well, authentically through the ups and the downs of life. And all of their kids are touching the world in beautiful ways. Uh, some of them you may have heard of. Two of the brothers form the group for King and Country. Uh, the eldest daughter uh, is Rebecca St. James, who I remember listening to in my late teens and, and early 20s when she was first, I think, coming on the scene. She's the co-founder of Mum Life, along with Heather Houlet, one of our staff members. And she has a book called Behind the Lights. That's her life story that I read much of last year. It's phenomenal. And a movie coming out this year called Unsung Hero. But here's the thing. God has established them with influence all around the world and given Helen a voice. But more than that, I know her and David and their kids to be genuine followers of Jesus that just love the Lord and genuinely love people. So we're very honored to have you, Helen, here today to share on Mother's Day. Let's give her a hand, church, as she comes up. Well, thank you very much. I'm very familiar with this building and a lot of uh, the faces that are here because of uh, uh, Nathan and the church's graciousness in, in having us here for Mum Life. Um, however, I don't think I've ever actually spoken uh, to a church or a congregation before, so uh, bear with me that this is a first for me. Uh, <laughs> and thank you, Nathan, for having me here. Um, yeah, Nathan uh, sort of filled you into much of our story. I'm Australian by birth, been here for 31 years. Um, and uh, our seven kids, we have bookend girls, so two girls with five boys in the middle. Heather loves it when I say that, so I've just got a teaser. Um, I, I've been a mum for oh, 45 plus years. Um, I've... Uh, 
sort of um, what I deem an active mum for 32 uh, by the time you sort of take uh, young children to or babies to through to the end of high school. Um, and of those 32 years, I homeschooled for 20 years. So I definitely understand what it means to be a mum. But I've loved being a wife and mum. Today, we're celebrating all the mums in the room. And I just want to acknowledge you and I hope that um, each of you, Mum, uh, feel uh, celebrated today, feel loved and appreciated because you are doing a phenomenal job. Um, I recognise that um, being a mum, I think, is the hardest, most demanding job on the planet. Um, and often our culture does not really recognise well enough. I know we have Mother's Day, but it's easy to sort of celebrate somebody on one day of the year. Um, but often as a day by day goes, I think we're not, um, we're sort of underappreciated for some of the work that we do. So I was trying to see what value, uh, particularly a stay at home mum brings to a home. And I read on salary.com that when they evaluate all the work that a mum does, she should earn upwards of $162,000 a year. Mums, you are valuable. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, that's quite the impressive income. Uh, so my challenge to the husbands and children, well, I suppose the fathers and children, value your wife and your mum. She's worth a lot. She does a lot. Um, and even though um, being a mum is demanding, I do believe that it's also one of the most rewarding jobs that there is. But some of those rewards are going to be eternal. Um, mums, I want to let you know you are laying down treasures in heaven as you love your kids and you love them well. Um, there are a lot of things as a people that do not, uh, divides us, but there's some things that will unite us. And the one thing is that we all do have a mum. Some of those mums may not uh, have been the best for us and we can have some hurts from our childhoods. Some of us have had great mums. I've been very fortunate to have had one of the great mums. Um, we also all have a father, but again, some of those are going to have been uh, MIA um, and we're all part of a family. The family is actually God's idea. He deigned the family to be a safe place, and it's meant to be a safe place, a place that will provide love, support and strength to each member. The family is the foundation of our society, and I think you would all agree our families are under attack and are in crisis. And marriage, which is the foundation of the home, of the family, is also under attack. Research as recent as last year says that an estimated 41% of first-time marriages will end in divorce. And the likelihood of divorce taking place in subsequent marriages is even a higher percentage than that. And if our marriages and our families are in crisis, then our culture is also in crisis. And each of us, need, each of us here 
can change things. We need to take an active contribution to protect the important structure of the family. So today I want to speak to actually each person that's present here. I don't want to just address mums. I want to address the woman who is a wife, a mum, a husband, a father, and the children who are also present. Firstly, mums, I want to congratulate you on the job that you're doing. You are doing an amazing job. And I want to also remind you that you have the highest calling of anyone in this room. And that includes Pastor Nathan on the front row here. You, mum, are shaping the world of tomorrow, one child at a time. You see, the hand that rocks the cradle holds the world because it's them that are going to live on beyond us. And what we lay as a foundation in their lives will be what impacts the world. I thought being the mum, a mum was the, is the best. And one of the reasons that I love being a mum is that I think it's also one of the most Jesus-like roles in our society. The gospel tells us that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And mums, each of us knows how to serve. <laughs> I think our role actually demands that we serve. Uh, Matthew 20, 25. And Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, we're countercultural, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As mums, we practice being like Jesus every day by doing the menial tasks and wearing the many hats that make up our life. Sometimes it's um, a thankless task. Sometimes we feel alone. But I want to remind you that Jesus sees all you do. He sees your labour. He sees your pain. He sees your tears. He sees your joys. He knows what you're doing. Colossians 3.23 reminds us, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Sometimes in the mundane of what we do, it's actually hard to have a good attitude. But I recognise, uh, uh, for me, I try to recognise that what I'm doing is a privilege. And I focus on doing the work for those I love and for Jesus. And remembering that to serve others is to be like him. And this helps me keep a good perspective. And it also helps me to be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tells us, Be thankful in all circumstances, the good and the bad, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So I encourage you mums, keep a list of the things that you're thankful for. You might need to read it on a regular basis and that will help you have a great attitude.
There's an old statement that I know to be very true and every single one of us knows. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And we see that in our homes. Mums, my encouragement to you is be diligent about looking after yourself. Mothering is like a marathon and you have to pace yourself or you'll run out of energy when you need it. You never know what is up the hill or round the bend. You also have to refresh while you're still on the journey. I call these times of refreshment a mum's time out. Kids, you're often given time out, but mums need them too. So, um, you know, it's a time to just, just for like for kids. We expect when our kids have a time out that they're going to sit and have a sort of a, a readjustment of attitude of just being quiet for a while. Well, mums need it too. I found when I didn't look after myself, I actually didn't like who I became. I could become a grump, I could become demanding, angry, and so for me, I just needed some time to just have me time in order to be able to give in a way that I enjoyed. A good way to tell if you're actually overdoing it and your schedule is too crazy is that you'll end up having a pity party, which means really feeling sorry for yourself. And this is also, I think, a great monitor for husbands and fathers. If mum's having a bit of a pity party, it's time for you to take up over and step up and give us some time off. I purposefully chose um, the passages from Ephesians today because our culture is so all-pervasive and it distorts sometimes the way that we think about family, about marriage. But this biblical passage actually gives us the instructions for the family. Our relationship to each other as husband and wife is defined by mutual respect and love, not by rule or power. And I'll just read again from Ephesians 5, verses 21-22. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Submission. It's not a very popular subject these days. Uh, we all like to think of ourselves as strong and capable and independent. However, as much as being independent is respected and admired as a cultural norm, it's actually not a biblical norm. God wants us to be independent. Oh, sorry, God wants us to be dependent on him and on each other. So what is the definition of submission? Submission is the act of willingly accepting or yielding to the authority or the will of another person. And sometimes it helps us to see in metaphors or similes to actually get a picture of what uh, a thing, something is like. And I think if you were to liken the family, you might liken it to a ship. I think the role of the wife is the rudder. The rudder is small in comparison to the size and the strength of the ship and its work is unseen as it guides the ship in its direction. 
wives, mums, my challenge, be careful in what direction you are guiding the ship. A submissive wife speaks into big picture decisions but lets the husband make the final decision. And sometimes that decision you may not agree with and it could involve a major life change. Some of you probably already know, but the circumstances that brought us, our family, to America were quite significant. My husband's business in Australia went under and we lost everything. He was 40 years old at the time and we had six kids. This, we knew that this was going to mean a major life change. He was a broken man looking for a new direction and a way to provide for his family. 18 months later, we had the opportunity to come to America to start afresh, but we had nothing. When we arrived, we were carrying what we could, 16 suitcases, every one of us had two. We had no furniture. We did have a roof over our heads, which we were very thankful for. We had no car, very hard to live in Franklin and Brentwood without a car, and we struggled to put food on the table. Uh, when we arrived, I was also pregnant with our seventh child. I was about uh, six months pregnant when we arrived. And if you thought about through that a little bit, uh, you would recognise we had no health insurance. I'm not sure there are many of you who would get pregnant and not have health insurance these days. Um, so we were crazy. Uh, we, uh, but you know, we pulled together. We had God and we had each other. And there was a church community in Brentwood that came around us that once they realised the pretty dire situations that we were in, they loved on us and they helped uh, to supply some of our basic stuff. They filled our house with furniture. Uh, they gave us um, some clothes. An Australian doesn't really understand what a winter is. Um, and uh, as we were coming uh, into the end of the year, we, we, we were needing some extra clothes. When we realised um, that we often didn't even have enough food to put on the table, uh, we prayed and we saw God miracles. We saw him provide. It's amazing stuff. It impacted each one of us. We were never to be the same. It not only impacted David and me, it impacted our children. They saw God. They didn't just read about God. They actually saw God miracles. You can imagine, especially you men here, how hard it was for David as head of the household. He felt like a failure. He was vulnerable and broken. I ask myself, what if I hadn't, as a young wife, practised submission in my home? What if I'd trusted in David to provide instead of in God? You know, I probably would have done what us women can do pretty well. I would have used my, my mouth. I could have pointed out all his failures. 
I could have spoken harshly and criticised him. But I was fortunate enough to recognise that God is the captain of the ship and that he was leading us. If I had not, we may have never even left Australia. If I had spoken harsh words to David, he would have curled up and died. Maybe not literally, but he would have died inside. And all the plans that God had for us would not have happened. How different our lives would have been. I wouldn't even be here today. And I sometimes think about some of the major decisions that are made in life and how different they make our lives. We wouldn't have seen the miracles of God and how he worked in our lives. And we would never have known the fruit that came from those failures. And really, I see the fruit that came from that time of failure as the ministry that Rebecca had and now the ministry that for King Country has. I'm so very thankful that we chose to pray and to trust God. And as you can imagine, it wasn't easy. It was a step-by-step process. But in that time, I chose to submit to God and to my husband. I chose to believe that they would find a way. I believe that God and David would work things out. And guess what? They did. God has restored to us everything that we lost, actually more than everything that we lost. We've been here 31 years, and in that time, everything that we lost when David turned 40 has been totally restored. Just like the rudder of a ship, wives hold a great deal of power in the home by their words, their encouragement, or on the reverse side, their discouragement. It can direct the ship in a good direction following God, or it can turn the ship into troubled waters. Ladies, please take seriously the instructions for your marriage and your home because it really can make a huge difference to us being able to see the plans that God has for us. And ladies, if you don't like thinking about submitting to your husbands, then wait till you hear the instructions that God gave your husband. A little bit harder than just submitting. Ephesians 5, some excerpts from the message. The husband provides leadership to his his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. I love the word cherish. It's actually a word we don't use very much, and so I wondered whether you, like me, don't really know what it means. And as I looked it up, I realised that to cherish is actually an exalted form of love. It's the strongest feeling that one person can have for another. But back to Ephesians. Husbands, go all out in love for your wives exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving and not getting. Men, you are expected to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her.
You need to love your wife as you love your own body. You need to love your wife as you love yourself. High standards here, guys. It's a serious dose of love. I actually am thankful that I'm a woman um, because I think submission is a lot easier to eat than uh, compared to what is being asked of you guys. Then piled on top of that is the eternal responsibility that under Christ, you men are the head of your home. You are answerable to God for the health of your home. And I want to challenge each one of you. Think about it. How healthy is your home? How healthy is your relationship with your wife? You might need to be making some changes. I look at our culture and men are often defined and encouraged to put their work first. Their success, their identity is defined by the job that they do, the money that they make and the status that they hold. And after work, hey, you've worked hard, you deserve it, come the hobbies, the golf, I don't know, the motorbike racing out into the bush to have some time off. Have fun. You deserve it. None of those things in themselves are wrong. It's just they've got to be in proportion and it's where your focus is that's the important thing. A lot of times men leave the health of the home to their wives. To do this is actually a cultural worldview. It's definitely not a biblical one. A lot of the men carry a strong mantle on your shoulders. You're going to need God to help you. And then not only do you guys need to rely on God for strength in order to lead your home and your wife to biblical standards, but now you fathers are going to need some wisdom as well. James Dobson from Focus on the Family said, the best thing a man can do for his kids is to love their mother. It's a verse actually that gave my husband a lot of encouragement because he actually loves me very well. Um, James Dobson recognised that marriage is the foundation of a healthy home. So men, I encourage you, Invest in your relationship with your wife. Be her best friend. Prioritise her in your heart and in your life. Um, I, I have been married to David for 48 years. And just like a lot of you men, my husband can be a little bit of a mess. He's late. He often lives in his own world, unaware of what's going on around him. He doesn't help much in the house. He doesn't cook. He leaves little messes in a lot of places. A cup here, socks there, T-shirt on the floor, mail all over the kitchen table. Does it sound familiar in some other homes? It's easier 
for us women to nitpick and criticise our husbands. Our words are powerful. However, this can create or it does create tension in the relationship. I've learned uh, that it is not really very helpful to focus on these negatives, these little things. So when I think about David, I think about the positives. I think about how much he loves me, values and cherishes me. I think about how much he has a love for God, his generosity to others, the way he provides for us diligently, his love for our children and grandchildren. And David's love for me has actually impacted, and man, this is, this is really serious stuff. How you love your wife impacts your children because how you love your wife will show them how they need to love their mum. David leads our family by example. Because my husband has loved and protected and honoured me well in our home, our kids have modelled after him. With seven kids, I feel pretty well loved. And I feel it very strongly. Um, children respect and honour their mum when they see you as dear, dad. Respect and honour your wife. You're being watched and copied on a day-by-day basis. Your attitude, what you watch on TV, how you handle media, how you prioritise work, the list goes on. The kids are watching. If you see something developing in your kids that you don't like, look at yourself. They may be modelling after you. There's another uh, verse in Ephesians 6 that I wanted to address. And it says, Fathers, don't frustrate your children with no-win scenarios. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Another version says, Fathers, don't be harsh with your kids. Harshness leads to defiance. I, I don't really think that men are that gifted often with patience. And their, their anger can actually be ignited pretty fast. And this often, just like women can use words, this often can result in harsh, discouraging words spoken in haste that can cut to the core of a child's heart. Proverbs 15.1, respond gently when you are confronted and you'll diffuse the rage of another. Responding with sharp, cutting words will only make it worse. Don't you know that being angry can ruin the testimony of even the wisest of men? There's just so much wisdom in the Bible. The last part of Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, take your children by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. What a beautiful visual, a beautiful picture that this verse creates. Mum and Dad, 
I want to encourage you to invite Jesus into your home. Tell stories of God's goodness and his faithfulness in your life. Take the time to turn everyday, ordinary incidents into teachable moments with your children. Teach biblical principles, things like saying sorry, asking for forgiveness, practicing the golden rule, do to others what you want them to do to you. Take time. Take time to sit and talk to your kids. Talk to them in the car, over dinner, doing projects together. Put away your phones and be present. Proverbs 22.6 says, Point your kids in the right direction and when they're old they won't be lost. And Deuteronomy 6, some verses there say, And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will live a long life. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. And this is the part that I love. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. These principles are so important. So often we can leave the work of discipling and training our children to the church. And they do a great job. But it's in the home that makes a difference. My husband often jokes and says to younger people, oh, I wish I had your youth. And I, I, I don't agree with him. I actually like being on this side of life and looking back because I can see the fruit of my labour. Our children are now all adults and they range from 45 down to 31. And I can see now the value of speaking about Jesus and sharing stories with our kids because it's impacted their lives. And even though they're sort of children of Christians, it's not a given that they're going to follow Jesus. And how you live in the home is going to make the difference. Um, and as Nathan said earlier, they're all passionate followers of Jesus. And for that, I am so very grateful. I also want to encourage you to pray together as a family and for one another. Pray at meals. Pray before going to bed. Pray when you drop your kids off at school. It means more to us now in, in Nashville than it did a few months ago, praying for your kids as you drop them off at school. Just pray. Pray. David and I are both generational Christians and we had great childhoods. We've been very fortunate. We had great parents. Our parents prayed for us every day. They let us know that they were praying for us. And we knew the power and the protection of those prayers. We are also, we are who we are. David and I are who we are because of their faithfulness. Our last surviving parent, David's mum, died last year. And we, 
David and I are now the patriarch and matriarch of the family. I was convicted by God a couple of years ago to step up and take the mantle of prayer that our parents faithfully held for us. So we routinely get together each night about nine o'clock in our room. We talk about our day and then we pray. We swap it out. He prays one night, I pray the next. <laughs> he actually prays more than me. Which there's, there's a divine justice in it because I thought that when we got married that we should pray every night. And so I, in my diligence and idealism, decided that that's what we would do and invariably he would fall asleep. <laughs> there is nothing quite so lonely as praying fervently and looking across and seeing the other person asleep. So I realised that I couldn't actually make that demand of someone um, but these days I'm more the one that falls asleep <laughs> and so um, he actually picks up praying probably when I'm tired he's like do you want me to pray tonight? I'm like please. Um, but it's really made a difference. We pray for each of our family. We pray for our extended family. We pray for friends and those that we know are sick and those that God puts on our heart to pray for. And this has become such a special time for us. It's something that I didn't, I don't even know that, I think I'm doing it out of obedience, but it's incredible how when we do things out of obedience, God uses them to really change who we are. Um, it helps diffuse at the end of the day any misunderstandings. Uh, it helps diffuse anger if a chance we're angry at one another. It's hard to pray with someone and for someone when you're angry. And what I think the biggest benefit is, it helps to keep us unified. Mums and dads, the best gift we can give our kids is to pray for them. It's a tough world out there and they need all the help they can get. And lastly, I want to address the kids and the young people who are present today. Your command that we read from Ephesians 6 is actually repeated uh, from the Ten Commandments and Exodus 20. And it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Obey and honour your father and mother. It's easily said, but not so easy to live out. However, young people, I see these commands as important for a few reasons. First, obeying your parents, or as the message says, do as your parents tell you, a bit more straight there. It's wise because your parents actually know a thing or two. They've been around on this earth a little bit longer than you. Secondly, Obeying your parents actually comes with a God promise that your life will go well and you will live a long life. Hey, who doesn't want a good, long life? So follow biblical instruction here. There's also another reason that makes this a smart way to live in that obeying teaches you to be submissive to authority. And this is an important lesson to learn is because if you can't obey and honour your mum and your dad, who you love, 
and who you can see, then how will you obey your heavenly Father who you do not see? Also, if you're a smart kid, and I think we have some smart kids here, accept the discipline of your, fam of your folks. None of us loves discipline or correction, but often it's our own pride that makes us not want to be corrected, and that stands for us adults as well. Ephesians, oh, sorry, Hebrews 12, 6 says, My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline and don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves he disciplines. The child he embraces he corrects. And then in verse 10 it says, But God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, which we all agree, discipline isn't much fun. It always feel like, feels like it is going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off big time. For it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. God disciplines all of us, each one of us, because he loves us. And your parents discipline you as kids because they love you. So when you think your folks are being tough on you, remember, they actually love you and they want the best for you. Today we've discussed a lot of important principles that can change the trajectory of your family and your marriage. Hey, none of us do life perfectly. We all need to make mistakes. And I love that we serve a God who accepts us right where we are and who gives us hope that by walking closer with him and by following his principles, we can have a better tomorrow. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your direction that helps us to live a better life. I pray for each marriage in this room. I pray that you would fill each of them with love for their partner that you would sanctify that marriage, that you would protect it, that you would grow it. Help each of them to prioritise the other, to have eyes for the other and no one else. And we just pray that you would um, watch over them and that they would grow in their love for you. We pray for the families that are here. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give mum and dad wisdom on how to create a home where you are welcomed, where you are served, where you are talked about, where you are prioritised. I pray for protection over each home, each child. I pray for your Holy Spirit to be present within that home and that they would recognise you. We thank you for this time together. We just pray that you would lead us and guide us as we move from this place. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask, invite the prayer team to come forward. I would like to finish in a time of prayer where two or three are gathered. Jesus is in the midst. And as these guys can pray for you, he'll, God is there. He'll, he, it's, it's so 
good for each of us to humble ourselves before God. This message, we need to be changing our marriages. We need to be changing our hearts. We need uh, God to impact our families. I want you to pray. Come and invite you to pray for your spouse. Some of you are going to have spouses who don't know Jesus. Come, lift them up. Pray for them. You might have a child who at this current time is wayward. Come, pray for that child. God's working. Sometimes it takes a while. You may for a couple have realised that you've gotten a little off track. Come, ask for prayer, for healing of past hurts. As a family, you might want to head in a new direction. You realise you've been missing the ball. Come, pray. Prayer is powerful. And God's in the business of healing, of changing directions, of leading us. We all, we all need God on this journey. It's hard. Come. Church, if you're with me and just wanting to say, I want to go the way of God's word. As a kid, as a sibling, as a husband, a wife, a dad, a mom, a grandparent, can we just lift our hands around the room? If you're just saying, God, I need you to bless my family, my work and my call as a mom or a dad or a spouse, my current worker call as a kid and a sibling. Lord, I pray your blessing upon every person, Lord. I pray that you'll grant them incredible wisdom. And God, all of us at many times along this journey just have to come to you in repentance and say, God, forgive me for blowing it. So we just pray that this morning on this very special Mother's Day. Forgive us for where we have fallen short. We confess our need for you, like Helen said. We don't have a declaration of independence, but of dependence. We confess our dependence on you, God, in everything that you've called of us, Lord. We need you, and we thank you that you've promised to be with us. Thank you, Lord. Lead us in the way of the Master so that we can lead our families in the way of the Master. Lead us in this way everlasting, God. We have tried many times our own way and we hurt people we hurt ourselves we get discouraged we get exhausted so we just turn completely to you today and i pray your abundant blessing god god i pray that everyone here will have eyes that can see you and ears that can hear you not just while we're here in church services or in small groups or things like that but tomorrow when we're on our way to work or on our way home today or while we're waiting to get a table at some restaurant or when we're frustrated about something at bedtime or when we're dealing with something on Wednesday in the middle of the week give every person here I pray ears to hear your voice eyes to see what you're doing and God we pray that you would bring just tremendous renewal and revival to our families and to our church God we pray for profound spiritual awakening across our entire state and nation and world God would you move in power? We are desperate for you to come. And when it comes to our families and marriages, God, um, give us the greatest vision of our lives for our homes, God, and for our marriages. Not, not for the projects, not for the outside things, 
but God, first and foremost for you and then for our homes. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we give a giant thank you to Helen for sharing that message today? It was awesome. I think, Helen, I think that was a master class on families following the way of Jesus. And I think it should be referenced by many for years. And uh, thank you for blessing us today. Thank you for being here. It's a true privilege. Um, they're going out to a, a, a ministry engagement of some of their kids, um, all kinds of things going on. So it means a ton that you guys would take the time and uh, worship with us today and bless us. I'm going to pray this benediction over us before we're dismissed. Uh, let me remind you, uh, any woman in the house can grab some of those earrings, get some photo ops on your way out. We look forward to seeing you next week. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Love you guys very much. Have a great rest of your day.